Well, today we're going to begin a study through the book of Philippians. I believe that to be one of the most encouraging and possibly the most positive book in the Bible. The city of Philippi was named for Philip, the father of Alexander the Great. It was established, it was set in a Macedonian province. It lay to the east of Thessalonica. It was about 15 to 20 miles from the Aegean Sea. There is a small river or a stream that runs through it. It is a place of significant historical importance. It was here that Mark Anthony defeated Cassius, and as a result of that defeat, Cassius thought all was lost, and so he committed suicide. During the time of Scripture, it was a prominent city. The Bible says in Acts 16:12, Philippi, which is a leading city of a district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. Some of you have been there with Linda and me, and you know that it is a beautiful location. It is a, it is a serene location with beautiful ruins, and uh, it was here that the first church in Europe was planted. When the church was established in Philippi, it was the first church of the Western world. Lydia was the first convert. You recall possibly that Paul came to Philippi. When he came to Philippi, he met with a group of people and shared with them the gospel of Christ. And the Bible says in Acts 16, And a certain woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So when Lydia trusted the Lord there at Philippi, she was the first convert in the first church that was established in Europe. It was also in Philippi that Paul and Silas were arrested. And you probably are familiar with that story as well. There was a girl there who had a spirit of divination. And so Paul cast the demon out of her. When the demon left, she could no longer ply her trade, so her master lost money. And Paul was arrested as a result of that, and they were placed in prison in Philippi. The letter to the Philippians was written from a Roman prison, written in about 61, 62 A.D. It is obvious in reading this letter that this is a special church to Paul. In fact, I think it was his favorite church. There is a different spirit in his writings to this church, I think, than to any other. In fact, Albert Barnes wrote, There is perhaps no one of the epistles of the Apostle Paul, which is so tender, and which abounds so much with expressions of kindness as this. It breathes the language of a father rather than the authority of an apostle, the entreaties of a tender friend rather than the commands of one in authority. It expresses the affections of a man who felt that he might be near death, and who tenderly loved them. And it will be to all ages a model of affection, affectionate counsel and advice. So we are going to look through this letter. 
And I think it will be an encouragement and a blessing to you in the weeks ahead. So take your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In this letter, Paul praises the church in Philippi. I know upon saying that there are some people who become uncomfortable when a church is praised. I have never really understood that. We praise our children when they do something good or right. We praise our grandchildren when they do something right. We praise our alma mater. And oftentimes in Scripture, you will find that a church, a particular church, is praised. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul wrote, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you to one another grows even greater. So Paul, in that verse of Scripture, was praising the church of Thessalonica, and he tells us what is worthy about a church to be praised. And he said, first of all, a church should be praised for its faith. He said to the Thessalonians, your faith is greatly enlarged. He said, I am proud of you. I commend you because you are people of faith. He said something similar to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 1, verse number 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. As Paul thought of the church that had been established in Rome, he said, I am thankful for you. I commend you. Why? Because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. In other words, he's saying, everybody in the world is talking about your faith. You are people who have great faith in God. So he praised them for their faith. The church in Ephesus. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you. Paul once again was praising a church because of their faith. The church in Colossae, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Why should a church be praised? Because it's a people of faith. 
I believe that you ought to be commended because of your faith. I'm always blessed by the faith of God's people. Calvin Falkenberry gave his testimony to the deacons Monday night. I've heard so many comments about that as he talked about his pilgrimage with the Lord as he's walked in faith. Bob Newell talking this morning in our time of prayer about, about his uh, walk with the Lord and his trust in the Lord and, and the things that, have, that are behind and the things that lay ahead. Trust in the Lord. You are to be commended because of your faith. Folks, a church should be praised. A church should be commended when it is a people of faith. But then Paul also praised the church for their love. He said, I commend you, I praise you, I am proud of you because of your faith in the Lord Jesus and because of your love. In verse number 9, all this, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. He said, I am praying that your love will continue to abound. In other words, their love was not stagnant. Their love was an abounding love. That's one of the things that I see in you, and I'm so proud of in you, and that's that your love is growing. I was down here recently on Saturday, and uh, a number of our people were out in the parking lot feeding the hungry, taking their Saturday to do that. And I just watched, I observed, because I saw it as an expression of love. Some of our people recently went to a church up in northern Virginia to a conference there because they wanted to learn how to better minister to children who have special needs. And I see so many of those kinds of ministries being established in our church. It's a testimony to me of your love. That's what Paul says. He said, I commend you, I praise you, because you are a people of faith and you are a people of growing love. And you know the thing that I like also is that that love is inclusive. It is growing and it is inclusive. I know that there are some churches that tell us, and especially within the church growth movement, that to be effective, that to be successful, that you target a particular group of people. That this is the people that you target. You try to get people like this, people like us. They are the ones who are acceptable. And yet when I look at you, I see you're just willing to love anybody. Lindsey Graham was here recently, and he and I went out to lunch. After it was over, I got a little amused because we were talking, and he said, Yeah. He said, Do you know how many liberal Democrats are in that church? And I said, No, but I imagine we have some. You know, that's the thing I love about you. We have Democrats and Republicans, rich people, poor people, educated, uneducated. It doesn't matter. You just love people. See, that's what Paul says about the church. A church should be praised, a church should be commended, that has faith in the Lord, who trusts the Lord, and who loves people. So praise is acceptable, but praise is also emotional. And I notice in this passage of Scripture that as Paul begins to remember these people that he has stirred emotionally, he had fond memories. Look at verse number 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Verse number 8. For God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So Paul now from a prison is remembering this church as he writes. And he said, I have fond memories of you. Why? Well, because they were partners in the harvest in verse number 5. 
in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul said, I have fond memories of you because we were partners together in sharing the gospel. What a wonderful thing to say and what fond memories that brings. We have partnered with Brookland Baptist Church in doing some things. We partner with Baptist churches all over the world through the cooperative program and doing missions and things of that nature. And there are some of you every summer, you give up some of your time to go to another church and help build a church, help build a building as you partner with them. So Paul is thinking of this church and he said, I have fond memories of you because we have been partners in the gospel. Not only were they partners in the harvest, but partners in spirit. In verse number 7, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart. Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. In other words, he is saying that, you know, our spirits are just knit together. Our spirits are knit together. Folks, that's what the church ought to be. And, and I, I know when, upon saying that, not everybody, not everybody should belong to this church. I can't imagine why not, because I just, I love the church. But not everybody should. There are some people who don't like the way we do things. Well, they should find a church where they like the way they do things. Paul is saying that we are knit together in one spirit. He said, I have fond memories of you and warm feelings toward you. In verse number 7, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all. He had warm feelings for them. I look at you sometimes and... And I'm overwhelmed with warm feelings for you. I look at, you know, I know, I know a lot of you. I've been here long enough that I know you. And I know some of the struggles some of you have been through. And some of the ministry that some of you offer. And I look at the choir and watch them and my heart is blessed. I just see you singing your heart out because you love the Lord. You want to serve Him. That's what Paul is saying about this church. He said, you are special to me. He said, I have fond memories of you and warm feelings. So this is a letter of praise. The letter of Philippians is a letter of praise, of fond memories, warm feelings. Then there's the encouragement of his confidence in verse number 6. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now understand, when Paul says these things, he is not trying to install self-esteem in them, but it is a confidence based on their character. As a matter of fact, the word confident that is used there is a very strong word. It means to be firmly and fully convinced. Paul said, I am fully convinced about you. I am firmly convinced about you that God began the good work in you. When Lydia was saved, it was God who began the work. God began the good work. And he said, and God will complete what he began. Solomon wrote, I know that everything God does will remain forever. You see, God's work is not left incomplete, nor is it temporary. Paul had confidence in this church. He said, I know that God began the good work. I know that God will complete the good work. Folks, 
I have enormous confidence in what God is doing in you. Our church has been here for a long time, since 1809, and throughout our past, it has been blessed with people of faith, people who really believe God. Now, that's strange to those who don't know the Lord, but people who really believe God, people of faith, people of vision, people who simply believe that we can be more than we are, we can do more than we've done, we can count more for God than we have, people of determination when the times get tough, the spirit is not quenched. Just stay by the stuff. And you see, it is this past faithfulness that gives confidence for the future. When I, when I look at the history, when I look at our people throughout the ages, and I see their faithfulness, I see their vision, I see their determination, then that gives great confidence for the years to come. Jesus is the founder of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Sometimes we get to thinking that we built a church. Sometimes we get to thinking that uh, it is my church. You know, everyone, I've had people say before, well, you know, old, old Wendell saved me. I thought, oh, there's another one. I'm afraid that we have saved too many rather than the Lord saved. I think sometimes that we built too many church rather than the Lord built the church. Sometimes we get to thinking that it is my church and only that that I approve is acceptable. No, it's all His. See, that's what the Bible says, that He is the founder of the church. He sustains the church. Generations come and go. But He sustains the church. And one day Jesus will come to claim the church because it's His. So Paul encourages them with his confidence. He said, I'm confident of this. That he who began a good work will complete it. That God began it, God will complete it. And then there's a promise of prayer in verse number 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. Now this is an interesting prayer that Paul is praying. He prays for this church that obviously is special to him. Well, what does he pray for? He said that you may love with discernment. He said that your love may abound. In other words, he is saying, I am praying that your love will abound. Not a little bit of love, a whole bunch of love. He said, I want your love to abound. I want it to stretch. Abounding love towards Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Do you love Jesus more than you did last year? Today, are you abounding in your love for Jesus? You know, folks, that's the thing that, has, that, that, that we have a tendency is, as we've been Christians for a period of time, that we begin to take the Lord for granted and we substitute other things for love for Him. Sometimes it is our tradition, it's other things, but do you just love Jesus? See, that, that's what happened to the church in Ephesus, and, and the Lord spoke to them, and He said, uh, you know, you do a lot of good things, but you don't love me as you once did. Are you abounding in your love for Jesus? Sometimes we substitute religion, and all we want to do is to cross all the T's and dot all the I's rather than... Just love the Lord. Now, you men know how that works in your marriage, don't you? I mean, sometimes I do a lot of things, and I, and I think that that ought to count for something. You know, and, and, and Linda will say, yeah, but you just, you just not, you're just not loving me like you should. I say, well, I thought that's what I was doing. See, sometimes we substitute other things. Well, do you just love Jesus? 
You just love Him. See, I think that's what Paul is saying in part. He said, I want you to abound in love, that you, you love Jesus more, that you love each other more. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Do you fervently love those around you? Look around you. Look, look at the people next to you. Well, you've got to turn your head to do that. Now, come on. Look at those people around you. Do you love them? Do you love them? See, he said, I'm praying that your love may abound, that you love the Lord more, that you love each other more. Paul describes that kind of love in 1 Corinthians 13. He says that we are to be patient if we love each other, be patient with each other, be kind to each other, not jealous of each other, believe the best of each other. Yeah, but you don't know who I'm sitting next to. Man was looking out his window one day, and he looked for a while, and his wife was doing something over there. He said, what in the world is that woman with our next-door neighbor? Well, she immediately dropped what she was doing, ran over and looked out that window. And she, well, that's his wife. He said, well, who did you expect it to be? Do you expect the best of each other? When you hear that so-and-so's done so-and-so, or so-and-so said so-and-so, do you say, I'm not a bit surprised about that? Believe the best. See, that's what Paul is saying to this church. He said, I want your love to abound, that you love Jesus more, that you love each other more, that your love abounds towards those who are lost. Folks, it's really not our job to, you know, get a hammer and, and start beating people in the head. It's not our job really to condemn everybody. It's our job to love everybody. That's what I understand in the Bible. Love people. Paul said, I'm praying for you. Man, I love you. He said, it's, it, I'm praying for you that, that your love may abound with all discernment, with real knowledge. There are some things that we are not to love. He said, with real knowledge, with discernment. Albert Barnes said it should be in proportion to the relative value of the object. Let me ask you, do you love the Lord and the things of God more than the world and the things of the world? Because if you do, then that is discerning love. You know what is valuable. You understand that that is real. And so you love the things of God most because they are the things that are real. He, he prayed that they might love with discernment, that they might live with excellence. In verse number 10, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. Excellent. Our worship should be in excellence. And that's one of the things I love about Steve Phillips, you know. Let me tell you something. When Steve is working on the service for Sunday, he, didn't ju he doesn't just select some hymns. It's something that is prayed over. It is something that he goes to the Lord and seeks the Lord in. Whenever you and I come to worship, there should be a sense of excellence about it. And that's the reason that, that I try not to do anything on Saturday, because I really want to spend that time with the Lord. Now, I might not be the best preacher in town, but I guarantee you I'm prepared. Because I spend the time with the Lord. 
You see, because whenever I come, I think that there should be a sense of excellence in what we do. Not only in the worship, but also in everything that we do professionally. You ought to want to do the best job you can in your profession. As a student, you ought to want to do the best that you can in your grades. And spiritually, if God gave His best, then surely we should give our best as well. So Paul said, I'm praying for you. That you might love with discernment, knowing what to love. That you might live with excellence and long for sincerity. In verse number 10 again, he said, So that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. The word sincere is an interesting word because it literally means without wax. And I've mentioned this before, but here's what Paul is saying. He said, I'm praying that you might be without wax or sincere. In biblical days, if you've ever been to the Middle East in that area, you know there are statues everywhere, a lot of statuary. Well, they used to make statues, and sometimes there would be a flaw within the within the uh, the rock that they used, and so an unscrupulous artist would oftentimes fill those cracks with wax. And so they looked like they were perfect until they you know until they were out in the sun and the, and the elements for a while, and then it came out. But that's what the word means, without wax. So Paul is saying that you are to be real. You're to be what you seem to be. Are you? I mean, we come on Sunday morning, we can fake it. We can fake everybody out, can't we? I mean, I look spiritual this morning, don't I? You do too. When God called me into ministry, one of the things I was concerned about is how it was going to affect my children. I never wanted my children to think of me as being perfect, and so far I've been successful with that. (laughs) But you know what I wanted them to think? I wanted them to think I was real. That's what Paul is saying. I want you to be real. You can come and and I might look at you and shake your hand and think, you know that, bless the Lord, that's, that's... That woman or that man, they're walking with the Lord. I don't know if you are or not. Be real. And then he said, I'm praying that you'll labor for eternity in verse number 11, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is the fruit of our labor? Paul said, I'm praying that your labor will be for eternity. What is the fruit of our labor? Well, in uh, Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Did you know that's what's to characterize you and me? If I know the Lord Jesus? Now, that's not going to be your character if you just have religion. But if you have Jesus, that's going to be your character. You see, what happens whenever we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us, and the Holy Spirit produces this fruit within us. So what does he say? That you're to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And my friend, if you have that, then you will have evangelistic fruit. Because Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. So let me conclude. The letter that we're going to be studying is a letter of praise for these people. Paul praised them for their faith. He praised them for their love. You are people who believe in Jesus. And you're a people whose love is abounding. He praised them. For their faith and love. He had confidence in them. He said, God is going to complete what he's begun. 
And he prayed for them. No wonder he said in verse 3, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. It was a special church to Paul. And he said, I'm proud of you because of your faith and because of your love. Now, folks, there are some of you today who might need to take the first step of faith. And that is to put faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so we'll have an invitation and ask you to do that. To trust the Lord. There are some of you who are looking for a church home and you need a church family and our doors are open to you now. If you are looking for a perfect church, this ain't it. And if it were and you joined, it would not be perfect any longer. But if you're looking for a church where you can be a part, our doors are open to you. Gracious Father and God, thank you so much that you love us. We really don't understand that, Father, but we are so humbled by it. And I thank you for these who gather today. Bless them. Lord, for those who need to come to know Christ, I pray that they will. For those who are looking for a church home, I pray they would feel welcome here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me, please, as we stand together. The choir will sing. And as they sing, would you demonstrate your faith in the Lord by doing whatever he tells you to do? Trusting him, joining the church. You come. I'll greet you as you do.